0: Hello and welcome back to OT Enchil, all things occupational therapy with me, Kweku. So in the UK, we are back in another lockdown, which is a real shame, but I feel it's really important for this to happen to help reduce the impacts this pandemic is having on everybody. A big shout out to all the frontline staff, all the occupational therapists, all the physios, all the allied health professionals and medical staff dealing with this pandemic in acute hospitals. On the show today I speak to Hannah Manning, an occupational therapist and also a mindset coach to just profile her journey into the profession and what else she's doing on the side. I hope you enjoy the show and let's get right into it. Hello, so on today's episode I get to speak to an occupational therapist based in the southwest of England just to find out about her journey into occupational therapy and what she's doing now and all the interesting things that she's going to tell us about so i introduce hannah
1: hi thanks for having me
0: lovely to have you Like, thanks for joining me so hannah just give me a little bit of background to you why did you choose occupational therapy or did occupational therapy choose you and what's been your journey so far in the profession
1: good questions i was actually on a deferred entry to study some kind of media studies, I can't remember the actual name of the course, um, at St. Mary's in London, um, because I'd chosen media for A-Level, I'd really enjoyed it. And when I was trying to decide what I wanted to do from there, I was like, well, I really enjoy editing film. I quite like the creative process. So kind of just followed that really, but knew I wanted a year out just to kind of have a bit of time just to travel. Um, I didn't feel ready to go straight to university. So yeah, I had it on deferred entry. I think it was even by the end of the summer, straight after school, before my year out, that I was just like, I'm just not passionate about this like other people are, like I enjoyed it. But when it came to like, the technical side of it, and all the terminology, and I used to go to do these workshops, and I just could tell like, I just wasn't into it as everyone else was. So how i came across occupational therapy was literally scrolling through UCAS i re- clearly remember being sat with my mum on the sofa looking through like literally every single course just just to kind of try and figure out what might be a fit instead and came across i think it it said like occupation and then clicked on it and then it said occupational therapy and i was like what's that <laughs> read a little bit about it thought okay that sounds like a little bit of me like i quite like helping people it might have mentioned like kind of problem solving and sort of being creative in a different way and then fortunately i then had that year to i went and did a bit of work experience had a few different contacts my auntie is actually the head of speech therapy for south wales um yeah so she hooked me up i had a few days at a hospital there my dad works for the council so there was a lady who was the OT in like housing adaptations there I had a day with her and then yeah started looking around different unis and obviously at the time like all my friends had gone for courses where you didn't need like an interview so that felt quite a bit like oh like this is quite like serious and I really need to like figure it out and prepare and that sort of thing so yeah kind of spent spent the year doing that and, and each time I kind of lent in a bit closer and I'd done did some volunteering and kind of like thought about the role of an OT and how that kind of fitted so one of the some of the volunteering I did was with um, my local library delivering books um, to the elderly but it just so happened that I ended up delivering books to a lady that was more or less blind so she only actually wanted audio books. but then she had a problem with being able to use the CD player so I was already like doing the OT role within within that, without like realizing it. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll put like some bits of blue Tack on and you can kind of feel and trying to like teach her to like learn a different way, like how to use it, even though she couldn't see it properly. So she could still um, listen to the stories because mm. she was really lonely and, um, you know, getting bored of the TV. So yeah, so I was actually really limited with which uni I could go to because my A-levels were in dance, media, English and I'd only done psychology to AS level so obviously a lot of unis want a social science um, and often in like at least a B and I think because, because of the mindset I was in at the time I was like well I'm already taking one year out I don't want to do another year like a foundation degree bearing in mind it would have meant I started the course when I was 20. I was like, no, I'll be far too old then. I can't wait even longer. 19 old enough. Like how ridiculous is that? So I was really limited where I could go because I do still think it's mad. Like the different unis, different entry requirements just blows my mind. But yeah, because I only had those subjects, I could only really apply to the ones that just needed like so many points. I ended up doing my first year at the University of Derby and the course was amazing. The lecture was a great, like really great course, but I really didn't get on living there because I'd come from Bristol, which I absolutely love anyway, really happening city, to then go to like a really small town or a town I'm not very good with like cities and towns and stuff <laughs> so it might be a city I don't know but all my flatmates had come from tiny villages they were like oh this place is great this is so much fun and I was just like oh, are you mad <laughs> like I yeah, just yeah I, I tried my best I you know Did volunteering there, would be busy going to the gym, like getting on with my studies and stuff, but it it just wasn't working. And my parents parents were really encouraging of seeing if I could transfer to either Cardiff or UWE. And I was like, no, like I didn't have the entry requirements. They're not gonna take a second look at me, but I'll write to them anyway and see. And it just so turned out that UWE were so yeah, University of the West of England um, back in Bristol were really responsive. And I was able to transfer straight for my second and third year, which was oh, brilliant. Great. Yeah, I was really lucky and everyone was really welcoming. It was a bit like, oh, everyone's done their first year together and I've not been here. But it was absolutely fine. I slotted straight in. I think a few people had left, which is probably, you know, why they had the space as well. They just had to match up what I'd done my first year with what they did in theirs, Mm. and it was all fine. So luckily I could just come straight across. So yeah, so that was kind of my studies. And then straight from, well, this all kind of links into my whole story really, but originally I was like, no, when I finish uni, I'm just gonna save up. I'll just keep waitressing or something like that, which I'd done as a part-time job alongside, work my butt off till the Christmas, and then get a one-way ticket and go traveling in the new year and just come back when I run out of money. But come, like, April, I don't know if this was the same for you, but everyone was starting to get jobs. And I was like,
0: ah! (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. You know what? There still seems to be, like, a a bit of a panic. I I don't know, uh, because I never felt it felt that but (laughs) amongst amongst other people even in my cohort or like the full-time students it also seems to be some panic about when should I apply for a job when when am I going to get it so all of a sudden everyone just starts applying applying I mean everyone everyone's different but yeah there is a bit of a panic around that time of year to look for jobs and apply for jobs and want to work straight as as soon as you finish university but I don't know if that's the best thing or not the best thing I did because I didn't go through that
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I had previously been that like, nah, I'm fine, I'm not going to. And then because everyone around me was and like getting these interviews and stuff, I was suddenly just like, oh, well, this is what I should be doing as well. And then I was like, well, actually, I'm gonna earn more money doing that than waitressing. So I could just get a job and then just quit by the Christmas. That was kind of my justification. And then I ended up getting a job down in Western. So I was like, well, if I stayed, if I'd if I'd lived with my parents, it would have been like a 50-minute one-way journey. And I was like, oh, that's a bit long. I didn't really want to do that, especially as like a new band five. Yeah, sorry. So I got a job there just as like a band five rotation. And I'd had a really hard time in my third year student house, actually. The guy I'd been living with was really nasty. And it really put me off um living in a shared house. And I didn't know anyone else to move in with. But my boyfriend at the time had been living at home as well. So I was just like, please will you live with me? Like there's no other choice. <laughs> I need someone <laughs> to live with. It has to be you. So ended up getting a flat like on the edge of Bristol. So it was like half an hour straight down the motorway to get to work. So yeah, so started my band five rotations. I did medical, older person's rehab and a bit of stroke there. And then, well, I think, I think the commute was kind of enough and the hospital was quite small and I wanted to kind of start progressing a bit more um and that relationship ended so I moved to another hospital in Bath went back in on medical rotation again and it was funny because when I left Western I'd only been there a year and people were like oh you're going for a band six then I was like "Ah, don't be silly (laughs) like what are you on about and some of them were like oh no like people that like you know are less competent than you go for it and I always remember in my head I turned 22 Who in the August after graduating in, in the June? And I've always remember thinking, oh, band six by 26. I don't know why I had that in my head and thought, oh, you know, three or four years of band five. So when people said that, I was like, oh, you're ridiculous. But then by the Christmas, my my line manager was like, oh, Hannah, there's a band six kind of coming out in the new year. Like, I think you should go for it. And I was like, It's Like, you serious? I was like, oh, I've only been qualified like 18 months. And <laughs>
0: they, saw, they saw They saw potential in you then, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it was also because and it was quite refreshing actually moving from one hospital to another that soon because when I got that next band five rotation I came in with newly qualifieds from that summer and even just being a year on I could see how far I'd come where they were all kind of rabbit in the headlights I was like oh I remember that feeling but um yeah going on medical and you know I'd be presented with this massive caseload in the morning and we'd kind of be like divvying out who's doing what and I would just be like yep yeah, cool and my manager would be like are you sure you're all right? Are like, you sure you're okay with this? I was like, yeah. I was like, I can only do what I can do. Like if I don't get to all eight patients on my list today, it's not going to happen. And I'd, I'd you know, learned the hard way to not stress and think, oh my God, I have to get to everyone. Everyone must get home now. Like there's all this pressure and mm. anyone listening, you know, who's an acute physical one will, will know exactly what I mean. And I was just like, no, I can only do what's achievable in the, within these working hours. And that's that. So yeah, it was, it was really, um, really like empowering to see how far I'd come kind of yeah being starting whilst newly qualifieds were starting as well and I I actually was really fortunate in my first rotation um in my first post that I ended up doing a lot of service development stuff. When I was on the old person's rehab ward, don't ask me how, but it ended up being a bit quiet, <laughs> dare I say <laughs> it. And um, got to run like some different groups and we did like a breakfast club and we did like a little gardening club just with little pots at the table. and. All, I, I took part in an audit and all these sort of things that maybe you wouldn't usually at that point. So yeah, so I guess I you, had...
0: you you set yourself up for that band six by doing all those things <laughs> on, on your CV, right? Because
1: yeah, you
0: know, uh, some people at band five might say, "Oh no, I just want to just get the experience of this work and just doing the job that I'm trained to do, and not take on any extra <laughs> anything extra." Because service development, yeah, it's part of it's part of your role when you when you wherever you are, wherever banding you are but not so soon after you <laughs> finished university, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it must have been, like, yeah, the, the next summer. So, yeah, when this position then came up, and I knew there was another existing band six going for it, so I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. And another, and, and yeah, a f- a f- a quite a few went for it, I think. But, yeah, in that interview, I literally spoke about all these things I'd already taken part in and could speak so passionately about it all so yeah ended up getting that role and it was a a mix between medical and older persons unit and it was because of what had happened someone was on maternity leave or there was some random funding and they basically tried to make it one full-time post so it was kind of a bit of an experiment (laughs) which was quite challenging and it wasn't it wasn't half week one half the other it was like every other day and it was quite hard, especially with the older person's unit. I would like kind of hand over the people I'd been seeing, go back to medical the next day, but then I'd come back and nothing would have been done Mm. because it was just so short. And, you know, it was quite frustrating at times, but yeah, but, but still, yeah, really good, learned a lot. And I'm one of these people who, as soon as I'm not passionate about it anymore, and as soon as I know my heart's not in it, i'm out i i can't stay when i don't like feel within myself that i really care about what i'm doing
0: where, was where did, de- where, sorry to cut you off where, <laughs> where, where, where did that come from i know we're going to speak about it a little bit later on in terms of what you're now yeah. moved on to doing a little bit in your life but where where did that come from because you were still quite young at that time in occupational therapy terms and in, mm. in your in your journey in, in the profession so where did that come from asking that actually i'm not this is not for me i'm off type type of thing
1: yeah i think like well this was just just within that role this wasn't within ot like on the whole but i think yeah it's, it's just that feeling i think because <laughs> i don't know i've, I've only you know, being told this like a couple of years ago and was kind of like, oh really? Someone was like, oh, you're so passionate, honey, you're so enthusiastic. And I think it's just like the way I've always been. And I think because that feels so right to me in whatever I'm doing, as soon as that starts to fade, it's just so apparent that it's now, I'm not in the right place anymore. And this, mm. isn't, this isn't where I'm supposed to be carrying on. And I need to rethink like what's missing, like, am i being challenged enough is it giving me the work-life balance is it you know a specialist area i'm interested in whatever it might be because i just noticed that so much i just have to then stop and think
0: mm. it sounds like you're a very reflective thinker or you you like you reflect on your own self every, in every moment that you're in or every job that you're in um, or everything that you've done because then you can make those decisions if it's something doesn't align with your i don't know core values about something then you're not gonna Mm. hang around and let that rot rot away type of thing
1: yeah definitely definitely and you know i think fair play if if that's the kind of person like someone else is but when i hear like someone's worked in orthopedics for 30 years i just think how i just think how how do you like feel excited each day or or be okay with not feeling that way It just yeah, but you know, everyone's different and that's absolutely fine. But um, yeah, in in that role then, I just kind of felt something was missing. At that point, I should probably add, <laughs> I'd already started thinking about wanting to move to New Zealand. So mm. backtracked to wanting to having to go traveling at the end of uni and that never happened. I then, yeah, I think it was during my first post and was chatting to a few different people, I was like, I just had this real calling to go to New Zealand. I love being outdoors. I love being in nature. Only ever heard good things about the place. And to be honest, it seemed like the easiest step in terms of being able to practice as an OT because you don't have to sit an exam. You don't need a master's. They speak English. <laughs> and yeah, it, it just all kind of, it kind of fitted and it just felt right. So, mm. I'd already decided by that point, that was the aim and I was saving up to go... The original plan was summer um, 2019, so this was coming up towards the end of 2018 and I was like, well do I just kind of stick this job out until I go? And then I was like, no, like a year's too long. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll locum. I thought I'll oh, locum and I'll just get some, a variety of experience. I want to get out into the community a bit more because I love doing home visits. Like anytime someone was like, oh, I don't want to do this access visit. I was like, me, give me the keys, get me in the car. <laughs> just really enjoyed getting out and, you know, really getting into real life um, rather than just mostly discharge planning. So yeah, already had that idea
0: when did you go when did you finally did you did you finally go to New Zealand
1: yes so well I'll tell you a bit before that so so I quit my job without having anything lined up um and luckily there was a physio that had done the same and she was going to go into locuming and it was like oh my god we've got our jobs and there isn't even you know a job to go to next we're just waiting to see because locum is quite last minute that it comes up you don't really get it that far in advance and had like eight weeks notice to work and in the meantime a position had come up a specialist band six neuro rehab role at head injury unit in bristol and um, community rehab and i was kind of reading the ad and i was like oh this sounds amazing but it was a bit some some areas it kind of said you needed two years experience in neuro rehab and others it didn't and i mean i'd done four months on stroke and not specific you know no traumatic brain injuries experience but me being me, I was like, "Well, I'm going to give them a call whenever I see a job ad. I like, always call them. I never just apply, even if I think I'm suitable. I like always want to have a chat." And someone, the person on the film wasn't really sure because they're basically developing the service, and that's why the role came up.
0: Mm.
1: And then I'd emailed, and I'd had an automatic reply because the lady was on hol- the line, the head of service was on holiday, and I was like, "Oh, kind of forgot about it a little bit," and then was putting more feelers out for the locum and stuff. And then I had an email back saying, cause I I kind of said, look, this is me, this is my experience, is it worth me going for it? And she was like, yeah, actually, you know, it's the developing role. It was a fixed term contract just for a year. So she was like, You know, I'm not sure how much interest we're going to get. We're open to people that are willing to learn. It's like, wow, okay. so I went for it. I grafted so hard for that job because I actually really wanted it. It sounded amazing. I called um, my partner at the time who was going to be moving to New Zealand with. I said, look, I know we're planning to go in the summer. Do you mind if we move it back a few months? Because I didn't want to take the job and then quit after like six months because it was a fixed term contract for a year. I thought, well, if I do at least 10 months, that's a lot better. <laughs> so he was like, yeah, that's fine because it means we can save more money. So I was like, great. So yeah, really did my studying, did my homework. And then I'd, I so I'd quit my, sorry, if this is really like jumping all over the place it seems, but it's not. So I quit that the band six next role at the hospital and I'd gone on holiday and within 48 hours I had a phone call from a locum role, the stroke unit rehab, um, saying did I wanna come and help them out because I was gonna have to like do at least something for a couple months, even if I got this other job or not. So I said yes and took that. And then, cause I just had the interview before I went on holiday for the head injury unit role as well. And then I had a text from that manager saying, we'd love to have you on board. So I was like, oh my God, does this like just happen? So I was gonna come back from holiday do I think it was six weeks in the end locoming, just to kind of fill the gap and then go straight into the role at the head injury unit which absolutely loved and it just felt like coming home like being out in the community seeing such a variety of patients and just everything about it which I can always go into more about um, just absolutely loved all felt so right and then did that until October last year When I moved to New Zealand and worked in the community um, with serious injury clients and their whole healthcare system there works completely differently. But ended up coming back, start of lockdown. And luckily, someone from one of the other OTs back at the head injury unit had gone on maternity leave. So I'm now covering her. So (laughs) So that is my... (laughs) That's
0: your journey. That's your journey. You know what? Yeah, What I find interesting is how everyone... It comes into the profession differently, and how everyone has their own track in the prof- profession, and and how they see it, how they want it to benefit them, mm. and, and all those things. So you're like your story, thinking about. I came into the profession late, late on. So listening to you having to leave. Your, college and wanting to go to uni but not sure i'd never really had that personally so it's refreshing to hear that you were not sure about it either <laughs> about what course Did you wanted to do but then you and that's actually now that you're doing it you do enjoy it um and you're you're, you're still enjoying it now <laughs> i hope um so, yeah. so so this current role um that you're in just so that I don't make any assumptions about how people get traumatic head injuries how have some of your clients your your patients managed to experienced head injuries, what happened?
1: Mm, so very high number of road traffic accidents, often like bike vehicle collision, um, is quite common. I've had a couple, which was domestic abuse. Um, I've had, uh, a couple that are a result, like of a, a seizure, having a seizure and then, um, hitting their head um but yeah mostly um road traffic accidents like bikes or being in a car is most common
0: okay so so then i'm guessing from what you're saying it, the age range will be wide it wouldn't even just be like older people or really young people or middle-aged yeah. people
1: yeah absolutely and that is what i love i i can have from the 18 to i think my oldest is usually like in their 70s but yeah, so it keeps it really varied. You can have like a, a whole mixture, um, but predominantly men, and that is okay. the, the stats. I think just, yeah, I don't know because you engage in more risky behaviors or take more chances or, or what it might be, but I didn't notice it so much the first time I was there. I had quite a mix within my caseload. I don't know if that you know was just by chance, but this time round, I only recently had my first female and before that I was carrying a full um, male caseload albeit that was like seven to eight um people at at the time but still looking at then when we go through like everyone that's in the service all together which we do um every week at the moment yeah really really Hmm. high male population that's that's
0: really interesting i i really don't know much about this this area so i'll have have a look at some stats because it will will be quite interesting to see why that is but yeah you you might be right i think um, some males may may take uh, their chances (laughs) Uh, some males may take their chances and that results in the head injuries um so one of the things i know about you is like and you've mentioned before is your love for nature and being outside and even <laughs> doing more access visits than your colleagues maybe um <laughs> have, have you managed to incorporate this into your current role or any roles before and uh, and what, what does that look like
1: yeah so in um there's a little bit of it in my first ever post like i mentioned with the gardening club on the ward where um it was kind of just potting kind of potting on really we'd bring in like a tray of like plants and then the patients would get to come and sit at the table they would have to put the soil in their own pot put the plant in fill it up um, give it a bit of water and then they would take that onto their own bedside table and have it to look after then, um, or give it to another patient if they didn't want to. So that was a little bit inside. But yeah, funnily enough, I'd only been in the post at the head injury unit a few months. And the one thing I struggled with is how much I sit still. So, where in a hospital you're running around all the time, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm suddenly sat in my car, sat at my desk, sat in someone's house. If it's just a you know, more talking interaction or even with like a kitchen assessment or something I'm, I'm stood still. I was like, I wish I could like move more. And I was managing to like, you know, keep walking on my lunch breaks. And even now I'll I'll pull up to work early to do a little walk. But um funnily enough, as yeah, as I was on the, I remember being on this walk and thinking, like, I'm sure when I was at uni, they brought in a few people to talk about like what they'd gone into. And someone came in and I remember she brought like twigs with her and like leafy things (laughs) and I was like there's a role for this and I think I even emailed one of my lecturers like who was that lady and she did some kind of forest therapy or nature therapy or something and anyway It was either that day or the next day, um, one of the physios um, sent an email around saying, hey, everyone, we're about to restart our ecotherapy group. Who wants to help out? And I was like, me? Absolutely me. Like, what is this ecotherapy? Tell me everything. And um, there's a garden space around the back um, where we're situated. There's a building, a whole building uh, site next door. It's like a big housing development going up and they had kindly come along with their digger and like dumped a load of soil into our back garden that could then be like spread out to use as kind of like an allotment type thing. And there was like a few raised planters that had been put in. So yeah, I know nothing about actual like gardening and when to plant things and harvest them, et cetera. Absolutely clueless, but I just love being outside and yeah myself and another physio who was was new and a couple rehab support workers took it on so we just called everything an experiment to get away with not knowing what we were doing but um yeah the way it works is that in like a team meeting we would say you know we're running the group who thinks they've got patients on their caseload who would be suitable and they can come for any reason so Someone might come purely to help them get routine in their week because they haven't got enough going on. They need something to turn up to and their goal might be to consistently arrive prepared and on time each week for, say, six weeks. And that for them would be a lot. Or someone might come with speech therapy goals, especially social communication is often a big thing after a head injury. Upper limb rehab that's been really effective within the group. Fatigue management. Also like memory strategies, just, you know, just remembering to, to turn up and come prepared each week. Um, So yeah, loads of different goals that people could have and they could each work on them individually, but as a collective coming together Mm -hmm. each week in the group. So yeah, we do like, you know, as well as whatever tasks were needed. So we've, you know, planted loads of veg, we've made what's called like a bug hotel where you put lots of different bits of wood and stuff together to attract the insect. We also sometimes do some guided mindfulness at the start, just engaging the senses, getting people to be present, talking about the benefits of being in nature, because especially for some people, if they're living in the city more or they're in a high-rise flat or they don't have a garden or they can't get out by themselves, like they might not get access to nature very often. And the benefits are so profound. um, They even just coming to the group from that sense just to get in, you know some fresh air it was brilliant so that's really yeah. that's
0: really cool I, you know listening to today it seems like there's a real MDT approach to it because if people are coming with different goals like from a physio's point of view I don't know what the physio's goal might be to strengthen upper limbs something along yeah, those lines yeah balance is massive balance, especially yeah, getting around yeah or um there's the speech and language side of it of that and then with, with you you guys you're talking about the routine and people getting up, up on time and all, all those different things so that's really impressive what are some of the can you share some like outcomes from some of the things that you've, you've seen real changes in people or some of the some of the things that didn't go so well <laughs> <that> <laughs> yeah or hasn't I've got some of the challenges some, some of the challenges yes that's the yeah
1: yeah so things that have gone well so I had someone with real learned non-use of her right hand anyway real learned non-use had just like started doing everything with her non-dominant hand because the other one was weaker and that's part of why the service got some funding to um take on extra roles on fix some contracts like mine because we set up like an early supported discharge service whereas usually people would go home and then they might wait like maybe three months before we pick them up which is just so detrimental like we need to be in there straight away because by the time they're picked up after a few months they've really struggled on they've created bad habits for example yeah this girl having like stopped using her hand because it was just getting in the way and she wasn't like having proper attention for it so yeah getting in there sooner but yeah basically and i used to be like oh swap your hand swap your hand but i used to have to prompt her to like put the gardening tools in it and yeah but by the end of it um she was painting we were doing some like little signs for the bug hotel and just naturally using her hand again and I'd been doing some uh, upper limb work and some different outcome measures, but the the most profound thing to see was where she had first come to the unit and filled out a contact sheet using her dominant hand, her handwriting there compared to her handwriting filling out I think is like some outcome measures and writing something at the end of the group. I was just like, oh my gosh, I I had to show her. I went and got her that original sheet and said, can you see the difference in your handwriting and how amazing it is now compared to what it was before and that you're just naturally using that hand again. So yeah, that was really good from an upper limb point of view, I think.
0: What about some of the challenges? So some (laughs) some of the challenges of the group in general.
1: Yeah, so with the group, we really have to think about number of patients to number of staff. So often it would be, it was usually either myself or the physio, plus a rehab support worker, plus a psychology student. We usually always had one, so they would help out as well. And and they were included as well, like if they might be referred just for like mood and well-being and they'd want um, someone to like rate their mood at the start of the session and rate that at the end. Had that recently, actually, this one guy who would come along and he might be like a 3 or a 4 out of 10 at the start and like quite down or like, you know, kind of dragged himself along and by the end be like, no, nah, I'm 10 out of 10. This is great. Ready to crack on with my day. So yeah. So that was brilliant. Thinking about the mixture of who's in the group. Yeah. So we would have, I think it was often about four staff to maybe like six patients because then you're kind of two to one, uh, one to two with then a member of staff who could come in and out of the building if we needed to grab extra stuff or we would forgot something. So yeah, but you can only you can only predict so well you know you can kind of think about okay these are the people that are going to be in the group you know this is their kind of personality times that person's quite outspoken or you know so is that person would they clash like but sometimes then they'd get on really well so you kind of you have to take a level of risk you know an educated mm. risk to see how it goes
0: so does group dynamics
1: yeah yeah, exactly. And and managing that and not yeah. feeling like a teacher in a classroom managing children, you know, like I, di- I didn't want to be, it's difficult, you don't want to kind of be like, oh, you know, don't answer me back kind of thing because you're, you're all adults at the end of the day and you want to keep that therapeutic relationship, but you've got to make those boundaries within the group clear like someone just brought along a speaker once and was just playing their music and there was a lot of bad language in the music as well and it was kind of like oh well we've never said don't bring music because we've never thought you know to explicitly put that out there so we we then have to kind of address that situation and be like oh you know like you know we appreciate like that's what you enjoy but we've got to think about everyone else in the group could you please like kind of not bring it next time and especially like because of that sort of music so mm. yeah I guess the kind of unforeseen things like that <laughs> it was a hot day once and a man took his top off and was like oh could you pop that back on <laughs> there's little things like that which you know you don't want to then cause conflict and not people feel like they've got a sense of freedom that they can you know mm. do what they want and, and own their identity within the group so I guess yeah uh, managing those sorts of things and then yeah with the dynamics with other people there was one time where someone i think they had like they knew of of one of the other patients from in being in town or something and already had a kind of perceived idea from getting a bit bothered about how they were speaking and were kind of like oh no I'm, I'm done it was like 10 minutes into their first session so yeah that was a good test for me actually just to kind of go to one side of them and just just bring them back to why they were there you mm. know and, and their reason was as a stepping stone back into work and I should have said actually that that's a really good one for people to come to the group and then maybe go into the community and, and volunteer and then from there like get back to work and like gradually build up so it just had a real kind of like grounding with that guy and just kind of said you know this is why you're here this is you know the goals you're coming to work on you know when you go to work there might be people that annoy you there as well and actually if you can manage that within yourself within this situation we can do our best to like ease it and you know yeah we can do the best to to yeah kind of ease it and like you know reduce as much kind of tension as possible but actually if you can prove to yourself that you can manage this here then actually that's going to put you in really good position for for moving forward into big wide
0: world <laughs> you know it's really cool like I, i'm sure all occupational therapists will always advocate for the use of occupation as, as a means to order what we do and by hearing you speak about how you guys use it in all different ways um it, it's, it's really cool and making sure that well not making sure because we don't own occupation we don't it's not it's <laughs> not so <some, laughs> we don't own it we use it but i just love that all the different um uh, disciplines are all part of it and using bits and pieces of it to meet to help the people come into those sessions meet their goals I think that's just fantastic I just want to shift gears a little bit uh, and then move on to you to, more, more talking about you um, but <laughs> I, I know I know uh, I came well we came across each other because you've got uh, your you call yourself a mindset coach mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that when I came across I was like oh cool that's really cool and because I've, I've not seen that much mindset type of uh, coaches in the uk in england because i see a lot of it in america in, in relation to occupational therapy anyway that's not that's not, like coaching and things like that so i was like wow that's really interesting i just wondered if you'd use it in oc but then when i spoke to you about it you, you hadn't really used it in occupational therapy yet but that's not that's not really a problem because we can see how we can feed that in so it seems like you have a real passion for this area and all these things and all the self-limiting beliefs and trying to help people change change this how did you get to this point in your life?
1: Yeah so I guess it was kind of while I was in New Zealand so part of the reason or main reason I'd gone was to like explore the outdoors more like being in nature but I kind of found while I was still you know doing a job where I was sat at my desk sat in my car sat in someone's house and it was great that you know on my lunch break I could walk along the beach rather than a miserable cold park in England (laughs) but um it it was still fitting it in so I guess I've been trying to think about kind of my lifestyle and how that's moving forward and you know how can I be in nature with people even more And then it so there's like a few elements. So there's that part of it. And then obviously kind of my skills that I'd already built up as an OT. But then also, so I did some training in acceptance and commitment therapy in April last year. Well, it was actually, it wasn't training like to use it, it was the trust put on like a staff um, wellbeing programme. And it was act with mindfulness for staff wellbeing it was three separate 3 hour workshops it was a really profound life changing moment for me actually i wasn't expecting to kind of gain loads from it cuz i'd done a mindfulness course within my second post but that was kind of it was an external agency that came in and i paid to do it so i learned a lot about mindfulness then and then yeah this this was just a kind of staff wellbeing program that we were all encouraged to go on so i kind of thought oh no, i know a lot of this stuff but yeah, basically they gave a really good metaphor. Um, anyone who's into ACT or uses ACT will um, probably know about this. And I love acceptance of commitment therapy. I think it's brilliant. And we as OT should definitely be encouraged to use it a lot more. I went through a phase of being like, oh no, does this mean I need to be a psychologist now? But that's not the case. So anyway, yeah, there's a metaphor around imagining that you are the driver of a bus and you in your life you're kind of like going around on the same route day to day like that's when you're in your comfort zone um, and you're kind of just going on this loop this bus route that you're used to but if you want to do something new or you want to try something different say for example it's going for a job promotion you need to turn off and go a different way but as you turn off and go this different way there are some people sat at the back of the bus. Their fear, their anxiety, their worry, and they start, they start chirping up, they start getting louder and they're going, what are you doing? Turn the bus around. We don't want to go that way. We're happy doing our usual route. Let's just stick to that. If you turn the bus around, we'll be quiet. Otherwise we're going to keep bothering you. So if you turn the bus around and you go back to your your usual route, that's all great. They'll be quiet. They'll sit down. You've got the relief, but, oh actually you haven't gone for the job promotion and now you've watched someone else go for it and you're still where you were before and you haven't followed what you actually wanted for yourself next time an opportunity comes around you go down that route and fear and anxiety and worry they all start making noise again but this time another voice um, speaks up and they say look do you know what these guys are here they're here for the ride, they're going to stay on the bus, but I'll keep them quiet, we'll accept that they're here, and we're going to keep going anyway. So this time you keep going down that path, and you go for the job promotion, and you get it anyway. So yeah, so it was a really great little metaphor for kind of like, when these feelings come up, when we step out of our comfort zone. But my question was, and I had no idea what the answer was going to be to this, because this really related to me in my situation when I was finishing uni, and you know i wanted to go traveling but everyone else around me was getting a job and i felt that that's what i needed to do and you know my living situation i'd had a really tough time in my third year so i was like oh, oh what am i gonna do or oh, just i'll live with my boyfriend like that's the safe bet and i ended up actually living a life that i didn't really want for myself and i wasn't very happy for that year and i had a gut feeling within me just before i made both of those decisions And I was kind of like, oh, I don't think I should take the job. I don't think I should sign for this flat. Oh, I really don't know. And then I was just like, no, do you know what, Hannah? You're just growing up now. You're stepping into the real world. Studying's finished. This is just normal fear of the unknown. So I asked the um, lady running the programme, I said, well, what's the difference between a gut feeling that something's wrong or something's not right for you and, you know, you should listen to that gut feeling or just, you know, general, normal, like, fear of the unknown. Like, how would you kind of tell the difference? An act is all about uh, connecting to your values and the kind of person you want to be and how you want to show up in the world. So her answer was, simply ask yourself, does this decision I'm making take me towards the kind of person I want to become and align with my values and I was kind of like oh my gosh like I actually had a little cry because I was like if someone had asked me that I mean who knows and obviously no regrets but maybe if someone had said you know you're going into this nine to five job you're 22 you're going to be living with your partner in a very kind of settled routine is this the life you want because didn't you want to go traveling and explore the world and and do all of that sort of thing and I would have gone oh, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, that for me was a real moment where I was just like, wow, like I really want to spread this message and get out there and, and let people know that, you know, it's so important to know yourself, to be present, to connect with what's right for you, to, to know your values and what you really want for yourself And break free from what society is telling you to do, what the normal steps, you know, quote unquote normal steps you should follow are and at what time. And, you know, all this pressure that we get for hitting certain goals as well to overcome the kind of internal noise and that fear and the worry and oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough. And that there are so many different things you can do and implement in your life, which I've done to avoid being in those kind of situations. So Mm. yeah, that's the long story.
0: (laughs) You know, um, listening to that, I was thinking myself, I'm I'm like thinking in my head, how does one sort of go about knowing their own values? Because that's quite a tricky thing. I know we talk about we talk about this with the people that we work with when we talk about values, it has to something has to mean something to you, something has Mm. to these things. But but talking about occupational therapists ourselves or just being a human being ourselves, how does one go about maybe making sure that they know what their values are so that whatever they're doing is aligned to that.
1: Mm, So in a, in a practical way, what we did in the, the, that session. And I've since done training in New Zealand actually with Russ Harris, who is like an ACT guru. And he wrote the book, Act Made Simple for anyone interested in getting into ACT. Highly, highly recommend that book. But yeah, in in the staff wellbeing training, um, we did what's called like a values card sort. So loads and loads of different values. God, I don't know how many. And you basically have to put them into three different piles. So the first pile is like, yep, 100%, that is me. That is the kind of person i want to be how i want to live and the key is when you're doing it not to linger on them and to really just like go on gut feeling with what feels right for you the middle pile is like yeah i think you know that's important but it doesn't you know fuel that fire in me as much and then the third pile is like no like i'm not that's not important to me at all and i think that's what people often ask it's like oh are these values you know how I want to be or are they how I am already and I always say like if is it important to you because it might be you know you look at creativity and you go oh my god yeah definitely but actually you're not doing anything creative in your life at that time and that's you know part of the process that you can then set yourself some goals to kind of bring that into your life a bit more so yeah and in a practical way I think that's really effective and I've I've used that with patients recently at the head injury as well when especially when someone's struggling with getting motivation mm. and I've had that with a couple of people and that's so hard if they're like I just I just can't get myself moving and you know I can't find something that makes me want to and you know you can't just sit there and just list a load of different things and you, you can do an interest checklist and you can kind of see if something comes from that but ultimately connecting to your values is so much stronger so we'll do that process and then if it comes up with kind of say if like kindness and, and caring might be on there and it's like, okay so if that's important to you and that's how you want to show up even just making your wife a cup of tea in the morning like let's make that part of your routine because that's how you want to be and and when they then feel a bit lost and maybe lose that motivation you can come back to it and because it's such an intangible thing having it down on paper um can really help
0: yeah, that's so cool i i, I think i think now you're saying about the value sort card that i've did that when i was as a sports technician and before i qualified i used to do that randomly with with the guys in the mental health unit we used to do it in the during the morning morning meetings um, and then we just have discussions about it uh, um about different things different values different words what does this mean to me and how can i show this so and you know you know you can't hold everything in your mind but i would i can imagine doing something like that with some of the young men who i work with some of them are crossroads between i really want to be this person but this this people keep pulling me back to be i can't lose the face like i've got the values i want to be this person so maybe um you know, i always bring it back to me it's not about me <laughs> but doing that kind of stuff with, with with people actually can enhance the way they think about themselves as well and i suppose that's what you're trying to do when you work with the general population of everyone anyone that wants to shift those mindsets one of the things i would talk, um ask you as well, as well like what are some of the sources of these um self-limiting beliefs that we attach to all ourselves like mm. fear of doing something or I don't know anxiety around something or worry or you know just don't want to let anyone down that you know all those type of things where, where does that where did some of these things stem from?
1: Yeah I think the thing I've come across from the most so yeah just to be be clear like the kind of mindset coaching service that I'm set up is kind of separate um mm. to my OT role mm. and more yeah just in general from because of what Kind of how things unfolded in my life, and kind of helping people avoid that laborious process that I went through. But yeah, I think the number one is what will other people think of me, and I think that's huge. And it's kind of like you've you've become, you know, people put you end up putting you in a box. You know, we, we all do it to each other because it's how we know who someone is. And it's like, oh yeah, Susan, she plays tennis and she walks her dog and she's quite average daily routine simple life person and then suddenly if Susan decides she's gonna set up dog grooming business and climb Mount Everest and start doing all these things we go oh well that's not that's not who we think you are that's that's not what you're about no no Susan doesn't do those sort of things and I think it is that's the one thing that comes up and people think like oh but but i i not really done that before or people don't have that expectation of me and or well, what will they think and oh but it's a bit different and i think overcoming that is the most freeing thing because people don't care people are we're all too busy caring about ourselves we're all so focused on what we're doing i think if someone starts doing something different you might go oh that's neil okay back to me <laughs> and that's literally it literally it and um i worked with someone and she one of my clients she um really she realized that she really liked interior design and she'd set up a separate Instagram account about her interior design and she was petrified of sharing that with her personal profile she was like oh my god but but what people think and I just don't know and and oh I've not done anything like this before but I really want to get it out there and I want to you know be talking about what I enjoy of course we all do we want to be if you find your passion you want to sing and shout about it and there was just such this fear and we went round and round and you know she said oh well I I want to tell my closest friends first so it's not like a big shock to them so she like told them separately and had really good feedback and oh well I just want my logo just so it looks really good and and that ended up being delayed a bit and it's kind of being like well actually this precaution (laughs) yeah. Procrast- <laughs> it's, it. it's it's a a procrastination, yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, and this kind of, you know, you all of these basically excuses. This is just fear. This is just fear showing up in a different way. And one night she was just like, "Oh, you know, the logo is taking a while, and I've already told a few people." Shall I "Should I just do it? Should I just go for it?" And just had this moment, and I was just like, "Yeah, three, two, one, go!" And like, so you put it out there. And she was just overwhelmed with all the positive feedback. Everyone following her straight away, being like, this is great. Good for you. Oh, my God, you're so talented. And it was just like, why, why did it, it, you know, it took so long to get there. And it did take coaching and talking it through and picking it apart and being like, well, what's actually showing up here? Mm-hmm. To then be like, no, like step into your truth, own what you love and, you know, be so much happier as a result.
0: that's that's fantastic you know uh, I know you do it it's it's very separate to your occupational therapy so it's not like a one job that you do what advice from your mindset coaching side can you provide to us occupational therapists or occupational therapy students that um, will help us uh, you know overcome some of these self-limiting beliefs or uh, to progress in our career careers or try out different things like you're doing What what, what kind of advice would you give
1: I would say, whenever, you know, if you see a role, and it excites you, and you think it might be for you, but maybe you're not sure, or you, you know, you think, oh, I'm not quite ready yet, or I don't know, just go for it. Like, absolutely just go for it. Like, like I did with my role like on paper no way was I qualified enough and or like you know quote unquote ready to take on a specialist neuro rehab community role and I remember um keeping in touch with a, a colleague and um my I'd had a difficult time with a manager and apparently she'd like heard I'd got this role and being like what like how does she get that you know and it's like I went and mm, I don't know if I can swear on here, (laughs) Um, you know, and had I, had I just gone on paper, I wouldn't have ever bothered. And I wouldn't have been where I was today. So be curious, like ask the questions. Like I always say, don't ask, don't get, what's the worst that happens? They go, no, don't be silly. You've only got four months on stroke. Sorry. No, like don't bother. Okay. Well, I found out, didn't I? So I think just, just, yeah, be curious, like ask the questions. And if, if you're feeling like it's something for you, what's the worst that can happen? Like, absolutely, go for it and and don't don't sit around thinking, oh, I just need to do another rotation or or everyone everyone's saying that you should do all your rotations before you go to a band six and then you know you have to stay there for a couple of years. Have to, there is no set path. You students right now, you are so fortunate to have chosen a degree. Which is gonna give you so many opportunities. Like I feel blessed every day that I'm in a job where I can I have will have the same title. We we will have the same title, occupational therapist, and we could work a completely different job every year for the rest of our career, right? Yeah,
0: yes. Like
1: I I couldn't do your job right now, you couldn't do my job right now, and there's so many others, yet we're both still occupational therapists. Yeah, and yeah how wonderful is that like I used to say when I was younger I used to say oh I'll I'll never do the same job the rest of my life I'll probably you know maybe I'll be a teacher and then maybe I'll be a hairdresser and I'll do these different things like I don't have to I don't have to completely jump around anymore because I can pivot and turn within this profession Um, so yeah don't you know, and when when I was in acute hospitals, for example, everyone was like, "Oh no, community or on your own, or oh, you haven't got the backup like you have here." And there was scaremongering, to be honest, about going into the community. Yet something inside of me was like, mm, "I don't think that's right." I I just think it it you know people are working in the community and enjoying it, so obviously that's possible. Um, so just just really connect to yourself and think, what do I want when it comes down to it. When you know I forget what other people are saying. When I forget, you know what certain paths might be laying at, being laid out, or you know the fact that all the other OTs around me have been in the job for five years or more. Like, forget all of that and just think what what's right for me and what am I interested in. And yeah, put feelers out there, speak to lots of different people, like try lots of different things because you never you never know what will be the right fit for you.
0: Yeah, I think so, that's. Yeah. I think that's good advice. It comes back to what you were saying about how we tend to restrict ourselves from doing things because we're always looking over our shoulders, or what would what would this person say, or what would that person say? Because then that stops us from pursuing something that you never know that you would have got unless you tried it so I think that's very good advice and it was one of the things that people have said to me in the past is like oh um when when we qualified like, oh yeah like you said I want to do all my rotation so I can get loads of experience in loads of different places before the night before I set myself on one place and that's never been my mindset like you know if I if I really like working here I'm just gonna stay working here when the time comes that like you were saying before I don't really doesn't really connect with me anymore I don't really feel like I'm doing much anymore then that time will come and I'll move on but yeah no you're absolutely right so you have your own podcast talking about mindset and yeah progressing yourself what is that called and how how did it come about and where can we hear it all that info
1: (laughs) so my podcast is called pathway to purpose and it came about through through creating my own mindset coaching service i have the 12-week program which is called pathway to purpose about you know breaking free from these self-limiting beliefs unlocking your full potential living life on purpose that you know is aligned with what's true for you so the idea with the podcast is that I interview people like yourself
0: <laughs> Ooh, who... <laughs> I, might be, I, I might be a guest. Exclusive.
1: <laughs> yeah, who have found their thing and feel like they are on a path that feels right for them and they're moving forward and and they're, you know, aligned with their purpose And basically finding out how they got there. So for for listeners who are just like, I just don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I want to go. I don't know how to get there. Any time that I think, oh, maybe I'll go and do that or maybe I'll go and do this. And, you know, you might search online or look at different courses, but then you've got to think about finances and then you start thinking about what other people might think and then it all becomes overwhelming and you just go, nope. And you just go back on autopilot and stick with whatever you're doing until you have that feeling again and go around in that cycle. And it's like, okay, well, how have other people got there? What have they done? Like, what what was the process like for them? And yeah, I, I interview people to really pick that apart because I find it fascinating. I really do. And, and whenever I see someone, especially if they're doing something really niche and yeah different I, I just think how how did you end up there like what was the process so yeah it just gives lots of inspiration really for people with different advice that they can then put into their own life to try and figure it out themselves
0: mm. and I'm guessing this all across all the different podcast platforms
1: yes I think so so the uh <laughs> the joys of being an entrepreneur is doing it all yourself and yeah. I I'm not techy in the slightest. I'm definitely not into marketing, which has all kind of come with this. So yeah, I upload it to a platform that I think, it's definitely on Spotify, it's definitely on Apple, it's on Google Podcasts. I think those are the main ones anyway. Yeah,
0: that's the main one. So it's called Pathway to Purpose yeah perfect perfect so what i'll do is i can link it in so people can um you know have a listen because i have i've listened to a few and i found it really really interesting because it seems like everyone that you've um had on there is very passionate about what they're talking about yeah this is my thing this is this is how i did it and i know some people might say like constant positivity it, what, what is it called toxic positivity positivity sometimes mm-hmm. can be overwhelming but I, actually i think when you listen to people talking about their passion it doesn't come across as toxic if it makes sense it means that if they found like you were talking about they found their passion and this is how they do it and they provide some advice on how you might be able to incorporate it in your life and you could choose to take it <laughs> you can choose to neglect it but it's, or, they, or you can choose to find your own your, your own way because it's not about copying someone else but it's about seeing what someone else has achieved that you you'll be able to achieve as well so and anyway, H- honestly that was, that was a great conversation we've jumped around a lot we jumped around a <laughs> lot we, we, we pro- we've profiled your journey we've profiled your journey into um occupational therapy i loved um talking about all the therapy stuff as well i think it's fantastic um mm. i i really want to get the young men i work with outside in the gardens moving the body doing things learning, yeah you know,
1: what's your space I, I, like what have
0: you it, got it's, it's fantastic it's a great space it's, it's so strange because we've got we've got fences high fences because it's, it's a prison setting so but, but actually some some of the young men have said when i'm out here it doesn't feel like i'm in prison because mm. we, we've been fortunate enough to be given um a little bit of money to uh, develop it a little bit and uh, some of the young men there have yeah. money to build like raised beds they've put a new decade uh, in there so they've is done it a wooden this- fence no no it's metal metal fence. It's, uh, it's, be- it, yeah, it's 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 like yeah. it, it's a prison like you would imagine you would imagine it yeah. to be. Yeah,
1: I wonder yeah. if you could put high wooden fence in front of it. I only think of that because I saw someone from my cohort don't think I'm in the group anymore because I've been kind of on and off with Facebook, but she I think it was a mental health unit raised a load of money to get someone to paint like a huge like mural on this wooden fence that was like of nature and trees so when you're in the garden you kind of forget that it's fenced off so i just wondered whether yeah there was scope for something uh, like that
0: the possibilities are endless you know where it's it's like everything we've been talking about every time you have a suggestion someone someone first person you go to is probably going to say no <laughs> is don't take that as your final answer. You have Never. to find you have to find a way, <laughs> another way around it. Um, yeah. Because it, when we talked about what that person will think or what this person will think, you don't want that to stop you. Um, so yeah, no, definitely. But this place is fantastic, and I'll, I'm sure I'm going to be getting some ideas from you, even though you say you're not a gardener. <laughs> <But I'm gonna laughs> be Call gonna it night. an experiment, and <laughs> but, you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but no, it's been, it's been fantastic talking to you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come and share all your knowledge with me and the rest of the listeners oh
1: thank you for having me it's been so nice to be a guest
0: (laughs) thank you again hannah for coming to chill out with me on the show today guys if you want to join hannah's 12-week coaching program pathway to purpose to help you break free from self-limiting beliefs unlock your full potential and start living life in alignment with who you truly want to be check our website at www.hannahmanning.co.uk or check out her Instagram page at Hannah Manning until next time guys stay safe